Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we're gonna speak all about what to do when you feel embarrassed by your child's behavior. So if you're parenting a highly sensitive child who is melting down on a daily basis, shutting down on a daily basis, it can feel inevitable that you will be embarrassed, maybe even on a daily basis. And so if this is a challenge that you find yourself having at home or out in public, then definitely stay tuned. We're gonna discuss all about it. So let's talk about where you might be stuck, right? So parenting a highly sensitive child is can feel quite draining when you're stuck in the meltdown cycle. Now, what do I mean by the meltdown cycle? Those of you who are just joining us here on today's show, Many parents are struggling with their big feeling kid who notices all kinds of emotions, who can be emotionally reactive and struggle with managing how to display empathy, compassion, and big positive feelings as well. And with all of that jumbled up and confused in their own brains, your highly sensitive child's emotional experience can feel a lot like Pigpen's dust bubble, just following them around. Hopefully at the holiday season, you're catching my Charlie Brown drift here in that reference. But what I'm talking about is just this big giant mess that your child can be feeling like on the inside. Their big emotions, when they're disorganized, can really show up in massive, destructive and impulsive behavior. So what do I mean by that, right? If your child is struggling, then we can see that your child might be hitting, uh, throwing things even in the direction of siblings or at you, hitting you, kicking you, throwing their bodies on the floor, or doing other unsafe behaviors like running away, slamming the door, refusing to, to ask for help when struggling, and shutting down or isolating. And those of you who are working with, uh, who, who are parenting teenagers or even preteens, you might have heard, and, and some of you who, who are parenting younger children as well, you know, here at MTC, we hear it often, children will say things like, I hate you, I wish that I was never alive, you'd be better off without me, etc. And And that is not age specific, though if you're parenting a teen, a lot of these behaviors can likely look more internal. You know, your teen can be shutting off and shutting down everything other than their phones. Uh, They might be struggling with paying attention in school or even feeling motivated to do their work at home or other responsibilities or losing interest in their daily activities, things that that they used to feel quite motivated uh, to complete, right? So this might be sports or extracurricular activities, other interests. And many of you know that this and and the the challenges of your child's behavior and your teenager's um, responses to you haven't been just because they are experiencing some isolation with a pandemic, right? This has been pervasive. It's been a challenge that you've noticed, might've been different behaviors, 
when your child was younger, but you've noticed that your child has thought about and felt about big things in, in their life and even small things in their life with deep, deep emotional experiences and asking all kinds of wise questions, thinking about things uh, six ways to Sunday before wanting to come up with the, the exact right answer. All of these uh, experiences that you're having and, and you're witnessing with your child, they're all related to the highly sensitive personality trait. And, and if it's gotten to the point where you're experiencing daily or multiple times a week, even multiple times a day, meltdowns or shutdowns, this is the problem that we help families solve. We've served hundreds of families who are stuck in this meltdown cycle. Many of you are parenting sensitive kids and wondering whether or not this everyday explosive or outburst behavior is just run of the mill for kids who feel big feelings, right? And I have the message for you in, in all of our shows that that is not the case, right? It's really, really important that we are covering here today that when you are struggling with this big behavior, this is absolutely something that can be addressed. And it's something that can be addressed systematically rather than just feeling like your child is struggling over and over and over again and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop when you're on a streak of not seeing those big behaviors. Many of the families that we work with can also describe before they get started uh, a period of one, two, three weeks. You might even see this during the holiday season where there's less uh, responsibility. Your kid gets some time to chill. Maybe that's uh, maybe school's overwhelming for them or, or the extracurriculars are overwhelming for them, whatever it is. And it's really important to notice over time, over the last six months to a year, has your child been struggling with these major behaviors? And, and make sure that you're making decisions about how to parent your child from a what I call zoomed out perspective, right? Take a picture that is much longer than two weeks in order to observe your child's big behaviors and see whether or not your child has been making significant progress based on what you've been doing and, and leading them because anything over two weeks is a behavior pattern. And that's really, really important to observe because you know, on the flip side, as we see parents who are noticing uh, a great week, it's really important to observe, does that great week last longer than the 14 days? And, and that's where you can start to notice whether or not your child's behavior has just switched gears and they've been able to notice a different way that they need to express their big emotions, or has your child been able to generalize a skill? So let's talk a little bit about this because I've been, you know, I mentioned feeling embarrassed by your child's behavior. And I wanna speak about this from, from a different angle today because many times what we focus on is how to shift your child's behavior and how to do that systematically through play, right? And, and, um, and through, through how we teach our, our families to address this without perpetuating shame. And yes, absolutely, that is absolutely still something that we work on uh, with parents who frequently feel embarrassed by their child's, children's behavior. And it's also true that it's really, really important that you notice for your child and for you that if you're struggling with these big emotions yourself, that it's really important to, to take ownership of that and your own emotional experiencing. Embarrassment is a normal human emotion. And when we think about whether or not the, how often you're feeling embarrassed by your child's behavior is something that you need to address, whether that be through your kid's behavior or through your own behavior or a combination of the two, 
And what we do in order to figure that out is we look at multiple factors. So one of the factors is whether or not your child is able to generalize their skills. So that's a little bit of a jargony word. Basically what it means is can your child demonstrate the use of an emotional regulation skill in multiple different parts of their life? So at home, at school, at uh, say, you know, dance class or soccer practice or basketball or swim, whatever extracurricular, you know, sports or not, coding class, art, whatever um, that your kid is in. And demonstrate not just that your child is, is and, and through your own observations clearly, but not just that your child is holding it in, right? We think about this from, from a parent perspective. Usually, many of us have been raised to just keep it together, right? White knuckle through life, hold on to grip the steering wheel, if you will. And in that experience for ourselves as parents, when we feel embarrassed, we can usually struggle with what to do about it. And that's what we're gonna be covering today. So it's really important that you first and foremost avoid stuffing that emotion. You know, if you're struggling with managing your own emotions and being able to decrease those on your own, then clearly that needs to be addressed first. And, and this can be addressed in, in conjunction with supporting your child. You know, we hear uh, parents say that they need to perhaps go, go to their own therapy if they're getting frustrated with their kid, or they might need to work with their own, um, you know, start doing meditation or some other sort of uh, calm down strategy, and maybe that will help address their child's big emotions. And it's important to observe that that's just one part of the puzzle. Owning your side of the street still leaves your child to walk on their side of the street. Um, and, and so it's really important to observe that that, that relationship you know, to stay with the cliche is a two-way street. Your child needs to learn their own skills to manage their big behaviors. And as uh, your child's leader in the home, you need to develop those skills as well. And what we found to be most effective is, is when we address them at the same time. And that can be really tricky for parents when we think about all of the, the other obligations and responsibilities on your plate. So I want to name what needs to be addressed, right? If you feel embarrassed by your child's behavior, it is important to accept that emotion. And it's also important to not accept your child's meltdowns as normal. This is really important because when we think about being highly sensitive and that that is a-okay, that there's a way for the highly sensitive brain to operate without meltdowns, that can feel pretty surprising for you if this is something you've been dealing with for many years. Or if you've heard from a pediatrician or a therapist that either your child's behavior is wrong or typical. You know, neither of them is um, is is neither of that neither of those perspectives is is relevant here, right? This is really important to observe. Your child's big emotional meltdowns are just a symptom of the meltdown cycle, and this is really clearly important because if you're struggling with this feedback for your child, part of how you're giving your child feedback and how you're speaking to your child, but also whether or not you think your child is capable of building those skills based on what you've already tried so far 
all of that is likely related to why you are still stuck in supporting your child and breaking out of this pattern. So that's why we work with parents. And when we think about being able to address the problem, the major problem that parents have is in thinking that highly sensitive kids need to manage their own emotions through their own work with their own professional. And the research simply does not support that. When we think about what research we're talking about, I'm talking about uh, Elaine Aaron's research, of course, because she's, she has done some of the research related to parenting highly sensitive kids though some of it has been quite anecdotal because she, she does not specialize in working with children. It's also true that it's important to observe all of the, the uh, other research uh, professionals who have observed highly sensitive kids and the parent-child relationship. And what does that mean? You're, you are the catalyst of change for your highly sensitive child. You as uh, parent, mom, dad, uh, a grandparent, care, major caregiver, you are the person who needs to guide your child into building different skills. Why is that important? It's not just because you know what your child is involved in and where what challenges they might be having, right? One of the things that we know for sure is that many parents who are engaging in, in seeking support from outside providers is that their highly sensitive child can really struggle with building those relationships, right? You are already noticing feeling embarrassed by your kid's behavior and struggling with, with trying to manage that. How do you think your kid feels when they're trying to figure out what they should share about where they're struggling, right? Embarrassed, it's a normal feeling to have when you lose your mind in front of um, other people or even at home, right? And so when we think about kids who have big feelings, what we're asking to do if we're using an outside resource that's not a family member, that's not a primary caregiver, what you're doing is you're asking your child to move through their own embarrassment when they don't have the skills to do that in order to learn skills to move through their own embarrassment. And basically that feels like double jeopardy to your highly sensitive child. And yes, I am calling it punishment because it does feel quite painful for sensitive kids. And so how do they handle it? Usually highly sensitive kids will go one of two ways. One, they'll refuse to go. Don't, don't need it, no, irrelevant, right? Or they will lose it before they go because they're so overwhelmed. And so that's a, a screaming match and pulling teeth and trying to buckle them in and, and you know, pick up their body. And when they're six, seven, eight years old is really, really difficult. Or they put on a brave face and they put on a nice, beautiful show and they tell you exactly what, they, what you wanna hear. And this is to the, 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 the outside provider, whether that be a therapist or if you're working on sensory needs, could be an occupational therapist where your child is just working on one part of the puzzle and, um, or, or any other situation. Could be at school with a school counselor and some sort of social group or superhero social skills um, communication plan, right? That, that, that can't be the main way for you to solve the problem with your sensitive kid of helping them struggle, deal with their emotional struggles and regulating that emotion. That is simply just a supplementary um, way to solve the problem. Why? Again, at first it starts with you. Secondly, it's really important to notice that when you are feeling the, your own emotions around your child's behavior, it's really critical that you not lead your child with those emotions. What do I mean by that? If you feel embarrassed and then you feel frustrated, when you're reacting in that moment by correcting your child, even you know criticizing your child by saying, you know, how dare you, or I can't believe you just did that. Don't you see how this is embarrassing me? This is inappropriate. You just yelled at her, say you're sorry. Any of that reactive behavior 
likely you know is not effective, but it also can feel quite like emotional manipulation to your child. Why am I using that word? Because it's highly likely that you feel manipulated by your own child. So we gotta talk uh, straight here because it's really important that you notice that the whole component of dealing with this meltdown cycle, when we look at a position of trying to use emotions to guide behavior, it is really just not the way that that works. And both members of the family or multiple members of the family, if your family is large, can feel manipulated in that experience. Now we know highly sensitive kids and kids in general are not purposefully manipulative. Go watch my other videos or or listen to my other um, shows on uh, manipulation and, and whether or not your kid is a sociopath or any other perspective or, uh, related to your child's purposeful behavior. Behavior is simply an after effect. A behavior is the straw that breaks the camel's back. That's the display of the straw that breaks the camel's back. So when you look at a snowball rolling down the hill, you're not gonna compare the big snowball to the beginning of the snowball and think that the big snowball is the problem. You need to stop the snowball from rolling down the hill and know how to, to run away from that snowball once it's already down the hill. It needs to be a two-pronged approach of both prevention and responsivity. And so when we think about being able to systematically support your kid in doing that, you have to be able to slow down your own responses, right? Always starts with you when we think about parenting your kids. Next is that your child needs to learn how to feel capable in managing their emotions. So you can't plan for those emotions as if they are inevitable. That is really, really important. And when we think about parents who are, uh, who we work with directly, this is a big mind-blowing process when parents notice how many times and how frequently they are back to this gripping the steering wheel, waiting for those meltdowns to happen. And how that ripple effect impacts every aspect of your child's emotional experience during the day, even if you're not with them, is can be a pretty eye-opening experience. When we help par parents tap into their observation of that, it can be very impactful. When we think about what you need to be able to do, and we talk about being able to transform your relationship with your child, there has to be some pretty deep working around in that emotional uh, relationship, right? So we need to be able to support you in having conversations with yourself around how much you are expecting your child to fail. And uh, when we experience embarrassment, it's likely because we perceive an experience as a failure or um, a disappointment or some other negative uh, assessment. There's a judgment happening there with that, with that negative emotion. And when we keep judging those experiences, then we keep that negative emotion around. It sticks with us. And uh, when, when we live in that experience and that happens over and over and over again, then we train the brain to stay there, to keep looking for times to be embarrassed or to prevent times to be embarrassed. And when you're, when you're stuck in that cycle yourself, it's very difficult for your child to learn how to break out of that cycle as well. You need to be able to feel capable that that cycle is possible of being broken. And without that sense of feeling capable, then it's quite difficult to teach a highly sensitive child how to feel capable of managing their everyday ch life's challenges.
So when we teach parents to help their kid communicate their needs, what first, uh, what comes first is the child's sense of feeling capable of creatively solving their problems. And that is not something that you can convince your kid of. You can't tell your kid, oh, this too shall pass or, or go ahead and, and um, just hang on. We've only got a couple more uh, practices left before the big basketball tournament. You can handle this season. We won't sign up for next one. Any of that future focused uh, communication with your kid is perpetuating the same plan of asking your kid to suck it up just like you handle your own embarrassment, right? And so being able to teach your kid how to do something differently, you need to be able to, to, to break that pattern yourself. And so when you're teaching your child to communicate their emotions, you can't ask your kid to delay their emotions in order to teach them to communicate them with you. Highly, highly sensitive children and all children alike live in the present moment the brain for, for children does not fully develop till beyond age 25, yet highly sensitive children can actually thrive beyond their peers' capacity to express their emotions thoroughly, deeply, and then move on from them by, by solving their problems very creatively. And they do that by being taught through, through their parents how to communicate their needs and to feel that they are trusted, heard, and understood. And that needs to be a collaborative experience between you and your kid. No other adult can teach your kid that, and um, no other professional can convince your kid of that. That has to be something that you need to be able to work on directly with your child and to build the skill directly with your child. And so when you teach your child that and they learn through that trust and they repair the relationship that you have noticed uh, that you've been using ineffective parenting strategies for, then that mends any disconnect between, I don't know that I can and, oh yeah, I've got this. It's not just because I hear my parents say it day in, day out, because I know, you, you know, that you've been trying to help your kid notice this. Obviously you love your kid and you've been trying all of these strategies out of love and out of, out of um, it's sometimes out of frustration in the sense that you've gone back to some reactive strategies, but that's not for lack of love for your child. It's for lack of, of skill and being able to manage your own emotions, sure, in, in that moment. But what we're not, we're not talking about being able to per perpetuate perfectionism here in your family. We're talking about being able to support your kid, forgive themselves for their challenges, forgive their future selves for making mistakes ahead of the game so that they can then manage big emotions around not being able to do things perfectly. That's a sense of capability. That's resilience, a self uh, perspective of being resilient. And your child needs to be able to trust that they have a leadership relationship with their parent, you, um, in order to feel like they can they can bounce back from challenges. That's the relationship that matters the most to highly sensitive kids. There's been all kinds of research related to that. And so we'll, we'll, we'll uh, avoid that conversation for the sake of time. And I'll just highlight one part. Highly sensitive kids, when you improve the relationship with the parents and move it into a more positive experience. Now, what is a positive experience for kids? Kids who feel heard, understood, trusted, and, and uh, clear on expectations and, and their safety in the home, right? Uh, emotional and physical safety. And, and when all of those things are true, they experience a positive relationship with their parents. And that actually boosts the experience for highly sensitive kids and their ability to use their sensitivities as strengths, right? 
being detail-oriented, we can all agree, is a, is a strength unless you get bogged down by those details and you can't make decisions because you're so overwhelmed and anxious that you can't see the forest for the trees, right? And so when we break out of that pattern of feeling incapable and not want, knowing what, what to do and, and not knowing how to make the quote-unquote right decision for fear of, not, of making a wrong one, then highly sensitive kids can use their creativity to solve problems in all kinds of ways that you as a parent whew, don't need to listen to that embarrassment when they make mistakes because it's not big explosive behavior that they're making a mistake around, right? It's not big behavior that they'll never be able to recover from or that would damage relationships if they yell at a friend and call them an idiot or do any other sort of um, thing that, that is socially inappropriate and to, to the extreme, right? And so when we think about this, your child needs to be able to not only communicate their emotions with you, but of course they need to be able to ask for help. And then they also need to be able to notice their emotions before they get explosive. And we see so many parents of highly sensitive kids who aren't able to generalize that skill. Sure, you might be able to get your kid to have a conversation in, um, in a calm environment where they notice emotions. You might be able to get your kid to have a conversation after watching um, you know, some sort of episode of, of Bluey or Daniel Tiger or some other show on Netflix for older kids. And, um, and, and they might be able to name an emotion or they might be able to read an emotion book, right? But in the moment when your child's feeling that feeling, they need to be able to notice how they experience that emotion and whether or not that emotion will pass and how long it might take them to regulate themselves. And that is insight that a child can't learn if they don't feel safe, understood, and heard in their parent relationship. And so it's really important for you to notice that that embarrassment is a signal for you to notice what are you actually embarrassed about? Are you embarrassed about your child's behavior or are you embarrassed about not being able to help your child thus far in breaking out of this behavior pattern? And I know that I, I shoot straight in some of these conversations and that might feel really hard to hear. And it's also true that part of our mission here at, at, well, I shouldn't say part of, our major mission here at MTC is to help parents of highly sensitive kids eliminate that meltdown shutdown cycle in order to create a ripple effect to eliminate suicidal thoughts and self-harmful thoughts for highly sensitive people around the world. And that's our, that's our major mission. Now I have all this experience and, and expertise and so do does, so does several members of my team in eliminating suicidal thoughts and major self-harm, chronic self-harm behaviors with teenagers in our mental health careers. And so this is not something that I'm, I'm using as a tactic to support you in making de decisions towards what I have to say about parenting your kid. It's simply just working on stopping that snowball from rolling down the hill so that you have a bigger and heavier snowball to break down as your child is older. Highly sensitive kids who engage in, in daily meltdowns and major destructive behaviors feel pretty crappy about themselves. I think we can all um, argue that to the affirmative, right? And so when you think about living in that life of feeling incapable and out of control, and how that perpetuates and consistently grows into a sense of feeling in, incapable of solving your problems in adolescence, that leads to a higher level of feeling like you'd rather die. And we see this go on and on in, in, our, in our mental health practice. Now here in the coaching company, 
when we work with parents of sensitive kids, your child might be expressing this in a more vague way, like life would be better off without them, or I wish I would die, but without a plan. And that is a clear sign for you to act now because that is not going to stop. The snowball's already halfway down the hill. And that's really, really important for you to observe because we've been solving this problem for families for quite some time now, and, and we know that it's a heck of a lot harder to do when your child is making active decisions towards ending their own life. Now, it's been a while since I've spoken about this, so I'll just share a little bit more about this. The holidays are here, and I'm just uh, recalling my family experiences. I've lost several family members due to suicide, so it's not something that I'm here to brush under the rug or to, um, to, you know, to sugarcoat. I have memories of family members who are not here because they've engaged in very risky behaviors and or uh, died by suicide. And, um, you know, that's not something that every family experiences firsthand. And my family has. And so I'm, I'm here to talk about it because I know something about it in addition to the, the professional experience over the last uh, decade plus of, of solving this problem with parents of, of sensitive teens who, who are engaging in those risky behaviors. So when we think about being able to stop that snowball from what, where, where, the, where it starts at the top of the hill, your child needs to be able to gain that confidence that they can solve those problems and solve the, the problem of wanting to leave their emotional experience, hightail it out of there. When you think about what an emotional outburst or meltdown or shutdown is, it's an escape. It's not a conscious choice. Your kid isn't doing this on purpose to get out of an experience. Remember, we, we talk, talked a little bit about this related to manipulation earlier today. Just like when you feel overwhelmed and you want to get out of there, it's not because you feel like you're, you know, say for example, you're in a, uh, a work meeting and your boss calls on you and, and you're not prepared because you didn't know that he was going to ask you about um, the numbers for, from last month related to one subset of the data points. And so you're typing in your laptop at the, uh, during the meeting and you're you know, wishing you could turn off your screen if it's a virtual meeting so that they didn't see your face turn red and you're ready to, you know, and part of your brain says, hmm, I wonder what would happen if I just clicked end meeting or get out of here, leave on the Zoom call, right? Part of you wants to escape that uncomfortable experience. And yet because you have some skills perhaps or because you have a high value of keeping your job, right? Might be that that's driving your behavior. But also because you have an adult brain who's able to notice more than one thing at once without getting highly overwhelmed, you stay on the call and you try to figure out the data to report to your boss during the meeting. But highly sensitive kids who are met with surprise, frustration, disappointment, and missed expectations, that experience of needing to dip, get out of there, right, is something that can supersede any other logic, any other um, knowledge of how challenges are, are, are are something that they, your child can, can be capable of, of facing, right? That rule about life that your kid can solve big problems and uh, can handle it goes right out the window. It's not even something your kid is considering in that moment. And so when you think about your child being able to build that confidence, that's an ingrained emotional state that your child needs to be able to handle when feeling challenged, not when feeling just encouraged or when feeling like they can, when they can solve problems when those problems don't feel so great or when they're in a positive mood, right? We see parents who are struggling with the, observing their child 
child having inconsistencies in their their problem-solving skills and that, and that can be one of them you know when my kid is in a great mood then sure she can you, she can handle that we ran out of her favorite jelly uh, she can handle that um, that she's she feels like she's going to be late and and I told her you know even though we're at a red light that we're almost there right but but if she woke up on the wrong side of the bed man woof she'd be throwing things in the car and, and her water bottle I'd be worried would be hitting the window. You know, all kinds of things would be a, a major concern for you on your way to school. And this is not just for your four-year-old, right? Many of you who have nine-year-olds have experienced car meltdowns and how scary those can be. And while your embarrassment might not be the highest emotional experience in, in that moment, right? Might be more fear, uh, might be more um, worry, but the other half of it could be embarrassment. How the heck am I going to get this kid to school? Can't send this kid to school in this state, etc. right? So there's a, there's a emotion, the emotion of embarrassment taking the back seat. When we think about supporting your child and diffusing those emotions and noticing those emotions, not because they're feeling great about themselves, but because they feel capable in handling problems, even when they feel a little crappy, that is a skill set that your child needs to have. They can't just roll through life expecting things to go well all the time and only use their skills when they're feeling in the mood, right? Your child needs to be able to manage emotions because that's an ingrained experience that they now have. And we teach parents how to do that in a systematic way that doesn't show their child that they just have a million things to fix in, in terms of how they handle problems over and over again. That systematic uh, component to breaking out of the meltdown cycle is, is really necessary because if your child's receiving all kinds of feedback, you get tired because you're, you're feeling like a nag, but your child's also tired and that impacts their own self-esteem and, and capacity to feel capable of solving their own problems. And again, just perpetuates the issue. All right, guys, so how do we break out of this pattern? If you find yourself needing that help and not knowing where to start or not knowing how to break out of this pattern and you've tried all of the things, either way, we can help parents on, on either side of the journey. We encourage you to book a call with our team. Go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk if you're parents of a, a teenager, uh, high school age and above. And we're going to have a conversation with you Well, myself or one of our coaches will break down where you're stuck and what your challenges are and what you've tried already and, and all of the, the, the philosophies or the theories, um, but also talking about your strategies. You know, what have, what have you experienced in parenting your child thus far, given how many years you've been parenting? And then we'll talk about what your goals are, whether or not what we do, which is to help parents eliminate those daily meltdowns, is part of your life's journey. You know, if you're able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and observe what your family's goals are and, and what your goals are make sense in terms of honoring your child's big emotions without perpetuating those big behaviors, then we'll tell you that, that um, whether or not what we do is going to be a good fit for you. And if we feel like there's something that's going to be different or more effective or more efficient that you need to do first or uh, instead of working with us, then we have that conversation, right? Because we, we invite families into our program only if we know that we can help them. And um, that's only part of, of where this conversation comes from. If we feel like there's something that parents need that's gonna be more effective, that isn't, it doesn't include what we do and, and whether or not we can help you guide, uh, guide yourselves 
out of this pattern, then we steer you in that direction. We teach you exactly what you need to do, who you need to call, what you need to research, whatever it is, so that you have a step-by-step -step plan at the end of that conversation. All right, so it takes about an hour. Make sure that you, you are able to find that time and create a little wiggle room in your schedule beyond that if it's necessary so that you have that observation of being able to dive in with a skilled and expert coach on observing where you're stuck and uh, being able to take action on it that, on that same conversation. All right, again, uh, lovely talking to you and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.